Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Your daily dose of news and conversation on politics, the economy, arts, and culture. And today, education. What happens when police officers are removed from schools? Here in Reset's home base of Chicago, the public school district has been scaling back its police presence. The number of cops is down by a third over the last two years, and many buildings had no officers at all this past year. That's led to a decrease in the number of incidents where officers are called to intervene and fewer arrests and suspensions. But those involved say this is still a work in progress. WBEZ education reporter Sarah Karp and Chicago Sun-Times ed reporter Nader Issa break it down for us. Nader, how many school resource officers does CPS currently have? So what they've done over the past a couple years is they've cut down about a third of the number of officers that they have. There's about 19 schools that have two officers around the same number that have one officer. So it's about a third of the schools that that have officers altogether. How much does the district actually spend on, on having uniformed officers at schools? This year, they're spending $11 million. That's down from $33 million a couple years ago. That's, that's only one of the changes that they've made is cutting down the number of officers, but then also uh, reducing the, the amount of money they're paying the Chicago Police Department. So CVS also shifted about $3.2 million back to policing alternatives. What's that funding going toward? So it's gone toward new positions, for example, school deans who deal with climate and culture. It's gone toward mental health professionals, counselors. It really depends on the school and what their individual needs were. There's also been schools that have been able to spend that money on outside organizations that can come in, provide a clinician, provide training for teachers to help students who are in crisis. And so there, there's a wide range of, of resources that the money has been used on. It, it depends on the school and what their individual needs were. Let's bring you in here, Sarah. Tell us more about why the district is scaling back police officers inside schools in the first place. So, you know, this has sort of been a long complaint by activists and students and schools who say that, like, police just don't belong in schools. And there's there's been a lot of research that having police in schools leads to students getting arrested for what otherwise might be seen as, like, normal teenage behavior or, you know, maybe acting out a bit, but not, you know, not warranting arrest. And these types of over-policing really target black and brown kids more than other students. And so people were just saying, like, we have the police in schools mm-hmm. and it's not it's not good. And then on the other um, point is that in 2020, when there were, you know, widespread protests um, over the George Floyd killing, there was a lot of calls to defund the police. And at that moment, these cries to get rid of police inside Chicago public schools really ramped up. And there's, you know, very contentious summer where, where uh, you know, people, students and activists were really out in force saying, we got to get police out of the schools. Yeah. Well, as we've been talking about, Sarah, the, the moves, it's, it's part of a broader effort to really just change how CPS responds to student behavior. How effective would you say the transition's been? 
seems like a work in progress. It is. It is a work in progress. And it's one thing because there's always like data that shows one thing or another thing. But then when you talk to people on the ground, there's different degrees of how much schools are able to respond to misbehavior in in a way that, you know, is sort of restorative. So the idea is that instead of just punishing kids, have kids talk it out, have kids, you know, join peace circles, have have kids get to the root of why they were acting out as opposed to just sending them home. But, you know, this, this takes a lot of time and energy. I mean, it's much easier to just be like, you know, go home or, you know, stay after school for uh, detention or something. Yeah. It takes a lot of time to say, okay, what is really getting at this problem? And so schools say, you know, they're really trying to do this, but there's different degrees into which they're able, they have the resources, the staff to do so. Yeah, arresting them or suspending them just probably seemed like the quick fix, right? Nader, over the last two years, something else students have had to do is is readjust from being remote for more than a year to suddenly having classes in person again. So what have teachers and staff been noticing about that? We've heard this not just in Chicago, but across the country. There's been sort of behavioral outbursts all across uh, education. Students sort of in their readjustment back to school, re-socializing, They've, they've lost a lot of that development over the past couple of years. And so situations that maybe they could handle before, sort of deal with and take in stride, they're causing outbursts, they're causing trouble that previously wouldn't have. And so that's a new issue that educators and students are having to deal with. And it's a strain on everyone. I mean, everyone's gone through trauma, everyone's gone through stress. And so that is sort of another, another element to this coming back from the pandemic having conversations, supporting students, helping them with their mental health, mm-hmm. and, and using peace circles um, and the like to get students through whatever they're going through. Sarah, WBEZ and the Sun-Times recently got data from CPS about police notifications and out-of-school suspensions. What does the data show? So what it shows is that there's been a a fairly big decrease in the notifications of police from from about... 570 in the first semester of 2019, which was like the last full semester before the pandemic, to about 350 notifications this last fall. Now, just to explain, police notifications are when a school's principal um, contacts the police to respond to any student disciplinary incident, but it's it doesn't necessarily mean that a student's arrested and the school district doesn't give out arrest information. Okay. Um, it's, the other thing, though, is suspensions are actually up. And, and you know, there's been a lot of criticism of out-of-school suspensions because, for one thing, it just takes kids out of class. You know, it takes kids away from learning, which is, is not usually a good thing. And they went up pretty dramatically. And this is just at high schools in the first semester of this year, 2019, they went from about 2250 in the first semester of 2019 to 2610 this this first semester. So that's wow. a pretty big jump, and and so it shows that schools might not be, you know, as ready to deal with um, outbursts and with trouble as as we might have liked. Nader, we touched on this earlier, but dig in a little more. Your analysis of of CPS data back in 2020, it also revealed a stark racial divide when cops are called on students and arrests are made. Remind us what you found. 
Yeah, so the the idea was to see, based on these protests, is it backed up by data that black students are more targeted by police in schools? And that's exactly what the data showed, unfortunately, is that uh, black students were more likely to have the police called on them. Black girls, in particular, were more likely to have the police called on them than their white and Asian-American classmates. Um, and then students who went to a, a school, a high school with a Chicago police officer, at least one police officer stationed inside the school, mm-hmm. was four times more likely to have the police called on them. And so there were these divides across the district, depending on um, the the race of the student, the demographics of the school, and then whether or not they had an officer working at the school. To that end, starting in 2020, Mayor Lightfoot and CPS officials, they've left it up to local school councils to decide whether they do want to keep these officers in their buildings. Um, Sarah, WBEZ found more schools serving majority black students held on to their officers than those serving Latino and white students. It probably has to do with a, a mix of things. I mean, one, one thing is that a lot of schools that serve majority of black students, um, you know, their students are also majority low income. And those are also some of our least resourced schools in the, in the district. And, you know, a lot of times principals feel like, hey, I'd like to have, you know, the police around because those are some extra bodies and they might take care of things maybe quicker than, than let's say, a mental health counselor or a therapist or a social worker. Also, a lot of times we heard local school councils talking about the idea of threats outside the school. And so, you know, maybe the school is not in the best neighborhood and people, you know, parents and community representatives are are nervous about not having the police at the ready. I mean, I talked to um, the school down the street from me, Hyde Park High School, and the principal there is like, I need at least one police officer on hand because if something jumps off in the area, mm-hmm. I want to, the police officer here that can quickly call other police officers. And so it's not to him so much about policing the students, which is traditionally what has happened when we've had police in schools, right. as, as Nader just said. It's somewhat about, you know, making sure kids are safe, leaving school, coming to school, things like that. Yeah. Well, Sarah, you just said, you know, parents are nervous, and I can totally understand that. Uh, But Nader, how do students feel about having less, you know, police officers in schools? It's really a mixed bag. It depends on the school. It depends on the circumstances surrounding that school and the community. I mean, we went and talked to students at a bunch of different schools across the city. At some schools, the students say, hey, we don't even notice that the cops are here. And uh, mm-hmm. we we barely see them in the hallways. They're sort of outside to monitor dismissal and arrival. And some students do say, we're, we're happy that the police are here. We at least have one officer. It makes us feel safer in case there's an outside threat. And that's especially been prevalent in the past few weeks mm-hmm. after the, the school massacre in Texas. There are other students also that, that still say what, what they said a couple of years ago is that we don't feel safe seeing officers wandering our hallways. We feel like they target us um, and, and we would rather someone else sort of be, be around in the hallways to support us rather than the police. Yeah, interesting that they said that. I you, you can't miss the uh, the officer when you you visit my kids' school. So I mean, he's he's right there. Well, school wrapped up earlier this week for for students. 
What are you both going to be looking into this summer? You first, Nader. I think there's a lot. There's there's a lot to look into. There's the the continued story of the budget at CPS. We've seen this new CEO Pedro Martinez come in and sort of set a new vision with his administration, some mm-hmm. new funding priorities, and that's been an ongoing issue over the past few months of what schools are getting what money, where are uh, resources being sort of stripped away to to give to other schools. And I think that's just going to be a pressing issue over the next few months that uh, we'll continue looking into. Yeah. Sarah, you? I'm going to be, you know, staying on top of the budget. Um, Also, I think that there's some efforts by the school district to reach out to kids that were completely disengaged this, this this summer, I mean, this year, this school year. And, um, you know, I'm I'm curious, they said earlier this week that they hope to bring a thousand of those disengaged students into a summer program. And I, you know, I'm curious to see if that's going to happen mm-hmm. and to what degree. You know, and I, I also just think the unfolding of how the CEO who just started last year, Pedro Martinez, you know, what, what are his, some of his educational priorities? What do you see sort of yeah. rolling out on, on the side of, you know, what, what he wants to do to... And he's talked about CTE programs, you know, career and technical education programs. And so I, I think there'll be some initiatives yeah. that, that he'll pursue. And I'm, I'm kind of interested in yeah, those. Yeah, lots to follow up on there. Good point. That's WBEZ Sarah Karp and Nader Issa with the Chicago Sun-Times. You can read their full story on fewer police in Chicago schools at WBEZ.org. That's all for today's Reset. Tomorrow, it's our weekly news recap. We'll discuss the latest on the governor's race, the wild weather that we've been seeing in the Chicago area, and why the iconic lions are no longer guarding the Art Institute of Chicago. And much more, of course. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you for listening, and we will meet again tomorrow. a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.